<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Psychologist Rachel Turo is here to share six self-talk workouts to help you create a new pattern of self-compassion. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. Perhaps you want to be nicer to yourself, but you don't really know how to get there. Or maybe you're someone who assumes self-criticism is a permanent part of your personality. Rest assured, you're not alone. Millions of people struggle with the toll that excessive self-criticism takes on their minds, energy levels, jobs, and relationships. Psychologist and author Rachel Churro of The Self-Talk Workout is here to help us tackle nagging self-criticism. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right. So let's start with your story of self-criticism. I mean, obviously, this is something you probably you said that you still remember from being a kid. So let's hear it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It just felt like this constant part of my experience. Where can I start? I was not very athletic. So I would dread it was when it was time for the captains to pick their teams for sports. I would always be last. It was like a good day if I was second to last. <laughs> and I just think we have this culture of competition where if you're not like the most beautiful or the most talented, then you're kind of like, eh, you know, not really yeah. special. So I think it's very easy to feel bad about yourself, unfortunately. And it didn't really seem like there was a way out. I kind of thought I would just have to live with that forever. And I think that's part of the reason that I was interested in psychology to learn more about, well, what about our mental health can be changed? Yeah. So you remember as a kid being critical of yourself when things didn't go well, or like you said, like you didn't get picked and you remember having that all into adulthood. So you probably just thought that was just who you were. Yeah, I really did. Honestly, I just, and a lot of people seem to assume that it's like their eye color. Like it's this, yeah. oh, I'm just, I've always been my worst critic. Right. And do you think people also, I know I'm like this, I've learned to sort of have a worst critic because sometimes it does motivate me. So it can also be like this, you know, like something you create that also is your motivator. Yeah. It's a really delicate relationship, I think, because I think it is really lovely to have ambition. You want to accomplish things and you do have cool ideas you want to take care of good care of your body and your relationships and you have values, so that's all really positive. And I think sometimes there are specific criticisms that might be helpful to some degree, like, okay, I'm not in touch with my friends as much as I want to be. Okay. That means that I need to change my behavior a little bit. I think the trouble is though, instead of being really specific about what the issue is and encouraging that like, oh, I can get there. I need to, you know, just put in this kind of work or take this kind of action. I think that it too often can get more general, like, oh, I suck because I'm not, you know, exercising enough or I'm right. terrible for not, you know, reaching out to my friends more. And that's when it's really damaging. 
What are the negative side effects of being overly self-critical? I'm sure someone is listening to this and they're like, yeah, I remember as a kid and especially as a young adult and now being really critical. What are the negative side effects that can happen from doing that, especially for a long time? Yeah, it's really huge. It turns out it's it's a really bad habit for your mental health. It's sort of like the smoking of mental health. When I first um, became a psychologist, I thought it was more about depression, that self-criticism was really strongly linked to depression. It's one of the symptoms for depression. But as I learned more and sat with more patients, it turns out that if you look at the research, self-criticism isn't just a risk factor for depression. It's a risk factor for anxiety, stress, eating disorders, addictions, and self-harm. So it actually cuts across all of these different mental health conditions. So if you're beating yourself up a lot inside, you're increasing your risk for a whole range of mental health difficulties. Wow. Why do you think it's so hard for us to cultivate self-compassion? Well, I think we kind of just learn from the environment. You know, we might've had people around us um, modeling self-criticism. There's this scene in that movie, like Mean Girls, where Lindsay Lohan and her friends are like, you know, looking in the mirror and they're saying, oh, I hate this about my body. I hate that. And it's kind of like this female bonding thing where you're yeah. supposed to do something. So we learn from what's around us. There's a lot of evidence now that social media influences self-criticism, including negative body image. And, you know, there's that culture of competition too, right? You have to be the best. You have to get into college. You have to kind of beat out the other people. And so people get into the habit of comparing themselves to other people and then feeling bad about themselves. And then the habit takes on a life of its own, even if like you're not starting the new habit every day, but your brain and your mind are just kind of used to doing that. And I imagine work kind of breeds like a whole other level of self-criticism because now it's, you didn't get the promotion. You didn't, you don't have that job title. You don't work at this fancy place. Right. So like the comparison ante just gets higher with careers. I feel like. Yeah. Work is so challenging. And right now I, you know, see a bunch of people who are looking for work right now. It's a time when a lot of people are trying to get a job, which really is a job as you know, absolutely. Cover letters and maybe, you know, introduce yourself, email people you don't even know, try to make connections and network. And it can feel really discouraging. So like one way to handle that would be, okay, I'm going to send out 10 networking emails and hope to get one response. And that will be great. Because if you do that all in the same day, then you're not waiting like, oh, that person didn't email me. That person didn't email me. Or if you're doing cover letters or applications, you know, maybe reward yourself for getting them in. Okay. I submitted three applications. Awesome. Rather than depending on the outcome. Right. Yeah. Something you can control versus like the outcome. If this is any help for anyone listening, I, over a nine month period, I sent over 70 informational interview requests. About 30 people got back to me. And I like to tell that story because one, it was nine months. I didn't do it all in one day. Um, And two, that's a less than 50% acceptance rate when you, when you think about it. And I share that information because I think people forget that, you know, rejection is a little bit part of that process in a way, but also the 30 people that took time out were the ones that helped me. And I was able to leverage that into getting a new job. So, you know, it's more important to focus on the 30 that said yes than the, than all the people that said no. But I know job search 
talk about a self-criticism cycle that you can get into. It's like the, the, the joke is like, nothing will cut you, cut you down faster than a job search. You think you're good? Like go on a job search, you know? So, okay. But maybe this is actually a good segue into your exercises because your book is a self-talk workout and you have six exercises that can really help people replace self-criticism with self-kindness and self-encouragement. And I think people need these. So can you talk about what these six exercises are? Absolutely. So, you know, to change these mental habits, it's really helpful to have specific techniques because that vague idea of being nice to yourself is less likely to work. One of the exercises is called spot the success in that exercise. It's sort of like a to-do list, but it's a done list. So you think of 10 actions that you have done today to help yourself, someone else, or the world. No item is too small. So you might have sent an email, turned in an application, got out of bed, you know, showered. All of these can go on your list and it might seem silly at first, but it's a form of cognitive reappraisal or seeing the same situation in a different way rather than marinating in that idea of like, oh, I haven't done enough. There's so much I haven't accomplished. You know, I'm a failure. You're reinvigorating yourself with the idea of, look, I, I do get things done. I am taking actions aligned with my values. And some of my students at Seattle University say that this helps them with motivation and kind of builds momentum. So they want to get more accomplished because they see themselves as an accomplisher rather than a you know failure. So that's Love an exercise it. that's pretty simple. I also have an exercise called Act Before You Think, which tackles this idea that a lot of us have that we want to feel motivated first. Oh, I don't really feel like doing X, Y, or Z. Absolutely. Of course we don't. I don't feel like doing a million things. But even though people assume that they need to feel motivated first before doing the behavior, the research evidence actually shows that behavior leads to motivation. So for me, like I really wanted to start exercising more and I wanted to start swimming. And instead of just having this idea like, okay, I'm going to swim, I put it in my calendar. I identified three times in the week where I could swim, kind of planned it out. And I, I don't always feel like it. You know, today I was like in the middle of writing and I was like, oh, okay, but what's my swim time? But I, I had made that commitment beforehand. I didn't really feel like it, but then I did it and it felt great. And I was yeah. glad that I had done it. So that's another one of my strategies that if you can identify those behaviors in advance, you don't have to wait to feel like it. And they can generate really positive feelings of, oh, I've done these actions aligned with my values. Yeah. It's like what you said about the job search. Like you can act before you think, before you talk yourself out of the job, apply for the job, right? Act yes. before yeah. you think. <laughs> yeah. You can always turn it down if it's not right. Yeah. For you. you can always turn Don't it worry down. About it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <Get it> in. <laughs> yeah. Wellness is everywhere nowadays. Whether they are health hacks, miracle skin treatments, or fancy new must-have products, we are inundated with information about how we should, quote, be well. It's overwhelming and it can feel extremely difficult to cut through the noise sometimes, especially when so many of these health hacks seem too good to be true. Well, I'm so excited to talk about our sponsor, Ritual, today because this is a brand that is actually committed to true health. Ritual multivitamins are 100% made traceable with high quality key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms so you can trust what you're putting into your body. I actually first discovered Ritual back in 2019 and I still take Ritual's Essential for Women prenatal vitamin today. First, I was taking it because I was thinking about getting pregnant and then when I was pregnant, my doctor told me to take a daily prenatal vitamin. So I set out to find the best option for me. The thing I love most about Ritual is the ingredients. 
The prenatal vitamins contain 12 traceable ingredients, meaning they are 100% traceable with high quality key ingredients in clean bioavailable form. So you can trust what you're putting into your body. Ritual vitamins are non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free and vegan. Their delayed release capsules are designed to dissolve later in the small intestines, which is an ideal place to absorb nutrients. The prenatal is made with sustainably sourced omega-3 DHA to support baby's brain development during pregnancy. Plus, a minty or citrus essence in every bottle helps keep things fresh and helps make taking your multivitamins every day actually enjoyable. You don't get any of that weird aftertaste if you have it in the morning and then maybe you drink something and you can taste it. No, you don't get that with Ritual. Instead of striving for perfect health, aim for supporting foundational health. And great news, Ritual is offering our listeners 30% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com backslash Contessa to start a ritual or add essential for women 18 plus or prenatal to your subscription today. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the host of Work Party, a podcast for ambitious women looking to create and cultivate the career of their dreams. Work Party is paving the way for a new generation of women, women who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. Every Wednesday, we bring in leading female powerhouses for real talk and BS-free advice on building your business. You'll hear from female founders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, creatives, and so many other badass ladies. Are you ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Then tune into Work Party, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Okay, what's number three? Well, the two exercises with some of the most research evidence showing that they work are slightly more challenging. They're uh, mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation. These are intentional practices that involve setting aside about 10 minutes to do some tough mental workouts. And it's easy to get discouraged because you might find that it gets harder before it gets easier. So if like you're listening right now and you hear that word meditation, you might have a reaction like, oh, I tried that. It was terrible. I was bad at it, you know, but reframe is that if you get distracted during meditation, that's actually part of the process. People have the idea that the staying focused is important, but actually the process of learning to shift your mind back over and over again is a very valuable mental training tool. So your mind goes somewhere and you notice that it went away. You bring it back with as little judgment as possible. And you do that a hundred times. So you're building this capacity uh, that will help you not get so stuck in rumination or self-criticism because you've learned, oh, my mind is over here. I'm going to bring it back over there. And this process also trains non-judgment because you're bringing your mind back with as little judgment as possible. In mindfulness meditation, you often use your breath as your anchor. Okay. Returning my focus to the sensation of breathing. Whereas in loving kindness meditation, you would choose about four phrases that were meaningful to you. Like, may I be safe? May I be happy? May I be healthy? May I live with ease? And repeat them silently to yourself. And when your mind goes away, just bring it back to the phrase. Don't worry if you're not 100% focused, just kind of do your best. And the evidence indicates that both of those practices reduce self-judgment 
but most studies show benefits from about, you know, three to seven weeks of practice. So I just like going to the gym, you wouldn't expect a single workout to be like, okay, I'm really strong and muscular now. It's the same for mental training. It's funny in my community, someone started some sort of movement. It's called the, you are enough movement. And I see them like, I'll see them like down by the beach on the strand. It will have like all of a sudden in chalk, it will say like, you are enough. Or when I drove by the high school, you know, they have their little sign that's talking about like what's happening. And it's like, you are enough.com or, you know, they have this moment. And I was thinking about like, that is a really good reminder that like affirmations and like having even like a sticky note next to your desk, like you are doing enough, like you're doing your best, you know, even that I could see being like this exercise, I could see it being a really good, almost like timeout moment at work too, to remind yourself, like, even if you have to sit there with a couple deep breaths to remind yourself, especially if you feel yourself going into the pattern of, okay, I'm getting ready to take myself down a peg. It's like, wait, pause, take some deep breaths and do these affirmations. And I love that one. Cause it's like, you are enough. It's, it's such a good reminder. And I've seen it all over this community. And, you know, I think especially for young people is part of the target for it. And I, similar to what you were saying is like self-criticism was something you kind of grew up with and it was became kind of just part of your norm. I think, I think that happens to a lot of people. So this is really, really good. The loving kindness meditation slash affirmations. If you, if you can't, if you can't, you know, commit to that, or as you said, meditation makes some people really they're like, absolutely not. <laughs> that I love that. That's a great. Thanks so much. And thanks for sharing that. I love that. You are enough. And if there's any phrase like that, that brings you a little bit of comfort, absolutely. You know, you can use phrases like that as your anchor, something to come back to like a home when your mind yeah. starts spinning to these difficult places. Another one of the exercises that I suggest is, is simple like that. It's a single breath. And then as you inhale saying, inhale, my friend, and as you exhale, saying, exhale, my friend, it might sound a little bit corny, but if you try it out, you know, some people find that it's helpful. And I like that it's really portable. It's just one breath. That's a kind of introduction or, you know, appetizer to the type of work that you would do in mindfulness meditation. Why does that, if you're getting ready to be very self-critical or of yourself or even somebody else, but let's focus on yourself. Why does it work with the, my friend? Is it like naming your critic or... Yeah. You know, honestly, I don't have the information to suggest the exact mechanism that that particular exercise, you know, through which that exercise is beneficial. We have more evidence about mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation. So for this one, I just have my students anecdotes saying, you know, things like it changed their mindset going into finals or that it helped them feel friendlier about themselves or less perfectionistic. Mm, I like that because I almost feel like the, my friend piece is like, you know, they always say, you'll be really mean to yourself, but you wouldn't be mean to your friend. Or you would say those exactly. things to yourself, but you wouldn't right. say those things to your friend. Yeah. So maybe there's also a reset for your brain to be like, remember, you wouldn't talk to your friend like this. Don't talk to yourself like this. Yeah. It's like training friendliness. We, yeah. Many of us sort of like have this adversarial relationship with ourselves, but it doesn't have to be like that. And it's not really fun to have, you know, this adversarial relationship in your mind. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And your last exercise. Sure. This one is a little bit more advanced because it's about how to handle really painful or difficult feelings. It's really popular to push them away or to criticize yourself. Oh, I shouldn't be having these feelings in the first place. So you might try out some other approaches. In an approach using self-compassion, there's um, a leading self-compassion teacher named Kristen Neff, and she suggests an exercise called the self-compassion break. 
In this exercise, you identify something that's difficult in your life. And just like if you were at the gym, I wouldn't start with like the most difficult thing in your entire life, but something that's like, you know, a little frustrating or difficult. And instead of pushing the feelings away, kind of open up to them and notice, yeah, this, this is a thing that is truly hard for me. This is, I have some pain about this and maybe feel that in your body. Okay. Where do I feel this difficult feeling and allow it to be there rather than, you know, getting mad at yourself for having it or pushing it away. Then the next part of the exercise is to tell yourself that this suffering is a normal part of being human. It doesn't mean something weird or terrible about you. This is just normal. And maybe there's a context to it. Like, I think if you're starting a new job, I think the first six months, it's like, what am I doing? Why am I here? Am I doing this right? And so this feelings are normal. This makes me very human that I feel this way. It can feel just so lonely, right? We're the only ones in our minds and our bodies. So it feels so lonely in there sometimes. So remind yourself, okay, this isn't suffering is a normal part of being human. And then the last step is how can I be kind to myself in this moment? Is there any sort of support I could give myself? You know, do I need a glass of water? Do I need to call a friend? Maybe I need to just take a five minute walk, but something that is treating that feeling with compassion and helpfulness rather than, you know, maybe your first instinct to, you know, censor it. Yeah. We actually had Kristen Neff on the podcast, so I will link to her episode also in the show notes for anyone who's interested because she wrote a great book about self-compassion and, what was interesting about her work is, you know, I grew up as the like self-esteem era where they were teaching us to like have high self-esteem, you know, you're the best, you're the best. And it was, you know, her research also found that like self-compassion is better than self-esteem because it can, you know, help you further. And really it's a much better coping skill than being like, wait, I'm the best. Like I'm the best. I'm the best. No, it's like, no, I, you know, I'm feeling upset about this. Like, why am I feeling that way? What's the trigger here? I was thinking too, back to your example at work, like when you're the new person and you do have this feeling of like, maybe almost like a little imposter syndrome that can jump up sometimes. Like, how did I get this job? Like, why did they hire me? Or someone gives you like a weird look and you're like, oh my gosh, they like regret. They're like so annoyed with me right now for using these techniques at work or just practicing more positive self-talk at work, especially when you are feeling like triggered by something. What advice do you have for people in the workplace with this? It's really tough. And as you know, those feelings are normal. Those Sometimes they are called imposter feelings. I recently met someone who focuses in this area, Danielle Rosenscruggs, and she let me know that she prefers just saying imposter feelings or imposter phenomenon, because I think syndrome sometimes can make it seem like, oh, now I have another thing wrong with me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you might also notice that there could be systemic reasons why you feel bad, you know, you might be in an environment where there aren't very many women or people of color, and there might have been these, there might've been discrimination that leads you or has affected those feelings. So that can be very real. And I think that can be helpful to acknowledge, or maybe there was a piece of your preparation that, you know, you didn't get that was, you know, different from your colleagues. So there might be some contributing factors that you could acknowledge, but, but the answer um, is never to just yeah. do inner <laughs> negative inner self-talk, it sounds like. <laughs> I well, I think it'll happen. I, I don't I don't think it's reasonable to expect that, you know, we'll never feel this way. Yeah. But I think it's fascinating that, you know, even very prominent successful people have felt these imposter feelings. And I think part of that is just human psychology that before we've done something, 
no matter what it is, right? Like driven a car or had um, our first real job, it feels really weird and scary and we doubt whether we can do it. So yeah. that might just be something that's human. Like until you've had a kid or, you know. Um, yeah, totally. It's just, no. it's just a thing. It just doesn't seem really possible and you don't really think you could do it. And then you do and you get used to it. And maybe that's part of the process. Many of you know that I'm a working mom of two under two. So that means anytime I can travel, it's a really big deal. And when I travel, it's important for me to stick to my routines of moving, eating, and sleeping well for me and my family. Our sponsor, Weston, makes it easy to stay well while traveling. With over 200 destinations around the world, Weston Hotels makes it possible for you to keep up with your wellness routine while traveling. At Weston, you can work out how you want with a variety of fitness options to keep your wellness routine on track while you're away. You can maintain your focus in Weston's workout fitness studios. They're equipped with state-of-the-art equipment, or you can get moving on a group run led by Weston's Run Concierge, a running guide and buddy who makes it easy for you to explore the local areas. Weston has three and five mile scenic running maps that make it easy for you to find the best route to explore on foot. And if you prefer to do your own thing, feel free to use workout and recovery gear available on demand through Weston's gear lending program. I actually did this because I went to Seattle once and I totally forgot all my exercise stuff. And I was really lucky. I was staying at a Weston because they just literally dropped off the gear at my door. It was amazing. And at Weston, you can eat well too with the Weston eat well menu. It's designed with foods that make sure you meet your nutritional needs. So you can choose what's right for you based on your desired portion size and nutritional balance. Weston makes it easier for you to continue nourishing your health, no matter the destination. I always find this really important because I feel like when I travel, I get so far off my routine and I kind of feel really blah. And sometimes it's the drinks and the food and all that adding up. And I love that at Weston, you don't have to worry about that because it's basically taking your routine with you. And at the end of the day, you can sleep well at Weston as well. You can recharge your body and mind with restorative sleep in Weston's renowned heavenly bed, which just so you guys know, as a parent of two under two, the idea of being able to sleep in and sleep in an amazing bed is like probably the best thing ever right now. They even include a sleep well lavender balm, which eases tension and helps you drift to sleep. This is something that I know sounds really small, but it really does help you disconnect from your day and be able to sleep. And again, for anyone with little kids, you understand why this is maybe the best part of any vacation if you can sleep well, and then hopefully they'll also let you sleep in. Weston Hotels and Resorts is part of Marriott Bonvoy, an extraordinary portfolio of hotel brands and an award-winning travel program. At Weston Hotels, there's amenities and offerings aimed to help you move well, eat well, and sleep well, so you can keep your well-being close while away. Find wellness on your next day at Weston. You know, you mentioned social media earlier, and I know that my social media can sometimes play an extra special role in my negative self-talk because, you know, you can compare, oh, they're doing more than I am. I should be doing more. Why don't you get more done, you know, et cetera? Why aren't you, you know, advancing faster? And I think that self, you know, sometimes they think of social media, they talk a lot about how it's impacting, especially teen girls, but I'm like, it's impacting everybody, adults too. What advice do you have for people who struggle with, you know, the likes follow on social media and then that self-talk that comes out of there? Well, I, I feel for the pain that this causes. There's some interesting research on it now. So I, I'm kind of am in that research zone while I was like, let's look at the data. Yeah. Um, so for a long time, the data have shown this correlation that more 
social media use is linked to more self-criticism and worse mental health. But now there's some really neat intervention research showing that decreasing your social media use or taking a break produces really rapid benefits in terms of mental health or well-being. And it's a really doable experiment. So I think it's just another fantastic tool to play around with. In my case, I took some apps off my phone. So I have Facebook and LinkedIn on my laptop, and I use them sometimes to connect and engage and message people, but I'm not checking them all day. And I really like that. It's really helpful for me. So if you have more than one device, you might, you know, you could take it off one device. Sometimes that's easier than just like, you know, trying to check less. Yeah. I like that. I also like really appreciate you saying the social media break. I think some people are like, well, I don't really want to quit it all the way because maybe it's how I stay in touch or I stay updated on one thing, but maybe to your point, like I only check LinkedIn for one hour on Fridays, or I only check LinkedIn once a month or something like that. And social media, I know a lot of people who are like, I take social media weekend breaks. I don't check social media on the weekends. And maybe, maybe more small breaks will add up to the bigger, bigger differences than you know, the, just like quitting a hundred percent and never going on it again, even though for some people that works. And I think that's great. I mean, work-wise, it's not something I can do, but I, I love like the, the, the mini break here and there for sure. What are some good ways to respond to the people that maybe you work with or that are in your life that are super self-critical and negative? You know, sometimes you work with somebody and every time you give them a compliment, they're like, Oh, you know, they like push it off and they're like, no, I'm, I'm the worst at it. Or like, they're like, you can just tell they're very self-critical. Nothing is ever a positive thing. What can you say to them? It's a really tough situation. I mean, it's a very, very powerful habit and people are in different processes in terms of their awareness for that habit or the belief that they could change it or the desire to change it. So unfortunately it's not really something you can do for someone else but you do have some choices in how to respond. Some of the advice out there right now, especially for kids and teens, is rather than like arguing against it, like, no, you're wonderful, you're fabulous, you're gorgeous, is to validate the pain. Like, I hear you saying that, and that must be a really painful feeling. I am so sorry that you have that feeling. I've had some good results by by sharing similar feelings. You know, I felt this way, And I realized that it was the influence of this experience. I had this other experience and that was a little bit different. So sometimes people might want to hear about your own thing. Sometimes that might be like, no, that's not helpful. (laughs) (laughs) I think it takes a lot of patience to, to kind of be around that. And, you know, you might kind of notice how you feel being around people who are really self-critical. If it makes you feel more self-critical, if you, Or, you know, you might want to do more activities with that person that could shake things up for both of you rather than more conversations about that. So I guess it probably depends on the situation, but you could try out a few different, you know, responses and see what feels right. Yeah. I know for me personally, I had a friend that every time I was around her, everything was the worst. It was terrible. Just constant complaining and self-criticism. And I'll be honest, I had to separate or like put some distance between me and her because it was just too hard for me. Partially, I wasn't doing any of these workouts. So I wasn't, I wasn't equipped enough with my own tools to sort of be like, I can hang out with you and then sort of recharge me back later. It sort of just brought things to the surface. And as you mentioned, these patterns are very strong. And unless you kind of 
you know, retrace them and create new patterns, I, I think that they're set in their ways. It's so easy to like just quickly fall back into the old habit, right? Which is, I mean, we talk a lot about patterns and stuff like that on this show. And it's always, people are always saying like, your brain is like hardwired to that pattern until you kind of like set the new path. And it's interesting. I mean, it's incredible that we're able to do that. It's just to your point, a lot of it's not going to happen overnight. You got to commit to it. So I want to recap your exercises. So it was spot the success, act before you think, mindful meditation, loving kindness meditation, single breath where you say, my friend, self-compassion break and asking yourself, how can I be kind to myself? Did I miss anything? No, that's absolutely right. And also now we have this evidence about decreasing social media. So that's another tool for experimentation. I love it. Rachel, tell people where they can follow you, find your work and learn more about it, especially if this is something that they're really struggling with. They might want to pick up your book, all that stuff. Absolutely. So my book is called The Self-Talk Workout, and it's available through Penguin Publishers or on Amazon or other booksellers. I have a website. It's www.rachelturo.com. Turo is T-U-R-O-W. I also have some different podcasts and resources on my website and a recent article out in The Conversation that explores different strategies for handling self-criticism. I also have an article called Five Ways to Feel Like You're Doing Enough. And that's I love that. <laughs> that is like a very perfect for, I feel like how people are feeling right now. It's just, sometimes you can just feel the vibe of everyone, especially I'm in the workspace where it's like, is it enough? Are we doing enough? You know, feeling like, especially for, as you mentioned, you have a lot of clients who are job searching right now, job searching where you focus on the progress and not the result. Talk about feeling like you're doing enough, right? Like, I, I think that is a really good point to, to help people and kind of guide them toward like, put more of your focus on this and less of your focus on that, because that's, that's the better use of your time and energy, right? Absolutely. And this stuff is hard. These habits are, you know, very deeply practiced, but I love the evidence showing that they really can be changed with a few weeks of implementing specific techniques. Amazing. Well, this has been perfect timing for all of us who are, you know, summer mental health, thinking about mid-year, all the, all the stuff that comes to a bubble. Rachel, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you so much for having me. All the best. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. Don't forget to rate and review our show. It really helps us so much. And if you're loving this episode, please screenshot it and share it on your Instagram. Tag us at Career Contessa so we can reshare it. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.